Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the When to Jump podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. Uh, What I want to do now is take you back a bit to an in-person meeting I had with one of the founders of Allbirds, a very comfortable, casual shoe wearer. But the conversation actually has very little to do with shoes. It's about philosophy, life missions, how we think about purpose, and crucially, how we plan goals. The conversations with Joey Zwellinger, one of the co-founders, and an incredible person, along with his dog, Labradoodle, named Walter, who makes a few cameo appearances during the conversation in their big, glass-filled, see-through conference room in the middle of their lobby. So right when you walk in and check in at the Alberts headquarters in San Francisco, you'll see this massive, beautiful, glass-framed conference room that we sat at the end of a very large, long kind of boardroom-like table to chat about all things life, setting goals, and what it means to make shoe wear in the 21st century. Uh, A lot of really cool things to discuss, mostly around this idea of what it means to take a step forward in very small ways and make goals that are actually attainable. Before you start thinking really big, it's good to think actually pretty small. And Joey will go into that along with obviously the very colorful story of how he thought along with his co-founder uh, to make something that seemed like a crazy idea work. And, uh, and boy, is it working right now. So more on that in a bit. Uh, first, let's get straight to San Francisco, to Walter's home away from home in the conference room of Allbirds with co-founder Joey Zwellinger. All right, so let's start out in the very beginning. Uh, tell us about Joey the person. How was your upbringing? Where did you grow up? Was it shoes that were on your mind early on? Yeah, um, so no to that question. Um, <laughs> was never really a shoe guy at all. Fashion or, uh, or, or retail was not something that I'd ever spent a huge amount of time thinking about growing up. You know, I think... So I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, in in Tiburon, which is a you know pretty affluent community. Uh, my family was uh, had been there for quite a long time, and we were in a bit more of the uh, uh, called the the flats in Tiburon, which is which is where at least thirty years ago, where you had a lot of people doing pretty blue collar jobs, and it was actually a, a decently diverse community. Um, whereas what that community shifted to has been tough with all the tech money and things that have happened in San Francisco. Things have changed a bit. But um, both my parents were professors. Uh, my mom's an immigrant from South Africa. My dad is from New York. And it was a, was a very uh, strident activist for a number of causes, but uh, throughout the free speech movements and in the, in the kind of 60s and early 70s in San Francisco State and Berkeley, he was a professor at San Francisco State, and he actually ended up leading the uh, precursor to the free the the kind of free speech movement by Mario Savio. That's a pretty famous one in Berkeley. He was the predecessor one that was right before that in San Francisco State. Led the professors' union. Uh, both him and my mom were professors of psychology, so um, you could imagine a Jewish household with two psychology parents 
the odds of me turning out normal are low. Um, <laughs> but I think so far, I feel like I've bucked the trends. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess some of the things that's really important that was drilled into me early, and I think it translates to all of my career decisions, which I'm sure we'll get into to, to a certain degree here, uh, is, is about having a purpose and a social consciousness in what you choose to do with your life and that having that meaning embedded into uh, career decisions is something that was I wouldn't say drilled in in explicit form but was kind of an implicit assumption in everything that uh, was done in my family that it was always the question after well why are you doing something like this um, and understanding a deeper purpose about what we choose to do as people in life and how we contribute to society so I think that was that's a really big impact on my on my early upbringing, and something that that definitely has has laddered into what I'm doing here at Alberts. And what? So, oh, and is Walter coming in? Yeah. All right. So Walter, and what kind of dog is Walter? He's a Labrador. A Labrador, Walter. <laughs> Walter, come on in. So, at what point did you did you have your first idea of what you wanted to do with your life? Um, I guess. Um, so so I I, I went to uh, Berkeley as an undergrad, and I I just really followed a, a, a interest in, in physics and math and things like that. So I, I was an engineer at Berkeley just really for those for that reason. I didn't really have any business mentorship growing up. So I, I didn't frankly know what business was. And then I developed this really deep passion for the environment and using the private sector for positive environmental change. That's where I really started to home in on what I've now spent the last 15 years doing small company innovation within the kind of renewable energy, renewable materials, chemicals, et cetera, world. Uh, and, and I've just been pretty, pretty myopically focused on that for, for a little more than a decade now. So. And why the environment? Why did that come into view as the focus? Uh, it's a good question. I think growing up in the North, uh, North Bay, Northern California, you just exposed to a lot of outdoors and, uh, you know, always grew up camping as well with my dad and, I think it's one of those things where I, I viewed it as something that is a generational problem and that the, the rise of the synthetic, uh, you know, refined fuel and, and synthetic chemicals, synthetic materials, polyesters and things like that, particularly after World War II, has used to be celebrated. Like, you, you know, a smokestack is a sign of progress and a smokestack means um, advancement and, and greatness. And now I think we realize that that was overplayed and that the externalities of what a smokestack spits out creates a huge cost on society. And, and now, you know, regardless of, of um, what administration is in place, like there's not a huge amount of progressive environmental policy coming out of government, and particularly federal government. So if, if that's not happening, there's, there's just a, a powerful role that business can play in innovation and entrepreneurship. So that's just been something where I felt like it was it was the problem of our generation. It was worthwhile tackling, and and then I went about set about trying to do it in the best way I thought possible, and that's now changed a couple of times. But yeah, and talk about those first couple of times. Well, we so the first one was really trying to invest in clean technology companies, as it was you know the parlance of the day in two thousand and six and seven was clean tech companies. You know, I realized that 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 might not be the best way to affect change, and and. I ended up leaving that and deciding I really wanted to operate within a company that was making a very broad impact. And I joined a company that had just incredible technology. I was one of the early business employees. Uh, it was a biotech company where we engineered 
microorganisms. And I had this recurring experience where the brands that I was selling into really didn't care about sustainability. For them, it was, you know, do, do what my current material does and just do it cheaper. That'd be great. Right. So it's just a sourcing exercise. And I just realized that there was a lack of leadership in consumer products around, um, around innovation that was based on sustainable materials. And so um, that, that really led to, to what I've been focused on now for the last, last couple of years with Allbirds and, and you know, very fortunately uh, fell into a partnership with, with my co-founder, Tim Brown, who I know through our wives went to Dartmouth, which I know you're an alumnus of. Go Big Green. Uh, and, and so what we realized was the footwear industry specifically, which is, which is where our product mix is currently, is one of the worst offenders of environmental responsibility and consumer products, but business generally. And there's just not a lot of focus paid to, to that role uh, that industry needs to be a leader in. And so we, we saw a big opportunity to create something differentiated and, and really loved by our customers, but do that on the backs of really innovative, sustainable material uh, what point was it like, let's do this? Because I think a lot of our listeners are like, yeah, I want to change the world. Yeah. I want to get into innovation. I want to save the environment. What's that next step where you're like, this is something we can do? To yeah, do so that? I mean, my, you know, the, the inspiration and the, the core idea for our company stems from Tim's work on this um, exclusively. I mean, he had the original concept. He's from New Zealand. Uh, he was Not Australia. staring at 29 million sheep, as one does in New Zealand, and figured we got to do something with this wool. Let's make a shoe. Uh, so he actually won a research grant um, early on from the New Zealand a Trade Association in New Zealand to take wool and develop an innovative application for it, and, and that was shoes. And it hadn't, hadn't really been done before. So, um, you know, he had been kind of kicking this along for a while. Uh, and my journey to start a business, I, I knew I loved, I was just always really excited by entrepreneurship and small business. And... So I knew this is what I wanted to do. I took a long time, like a good year, year and a half, searching for a business to either start or join as an early employee. I went through really long periods of diligence on different businesses, three in total, um, and then and then started talking with Tim. Tim had it's kind of a right time, right place sort of a thing, as these tend to be. But he had an offer from from a group to invest in the business and. And kind of take a take a, an approach that I didn't really feel was was fantastic for the business, and I started helping him through that. And then uh, he he was in London at the time, and we started talking a little bit. And he ended up flying out from London to my house in Mill Valley in, in Marin County, and my family was gone. I cooked him a lamb stew, which is was, was supposed to be uh, as ironic as what just you got conjured up in a giggle there, um, and I thought it was and. It, and then uh, we walked around the hills of Mill Valley for kind of three days, and just talking through what, what, how big this could be. Was it something that would excite us for the long run? And we anchored around this idea in that weekend around that this was this was really about sustainable material innovation and doing something that we felt we would care about for a decade, and that it was important and the world needed us. And so we we felt like, and it wasn't just another fashion company, another shoe company. So, you know, that, that, that's the time we started. We said, okay, I think there's something big here. We spent, um, we actually spent a month doing a business plan. And the business plan, I don't even know if we ever shared it with anyone, but the point was to align Tim and I, that we could, we agreed on the principles of the business we wanted to build together. And that we could then, um, we could then really 
feel like our partnership was was on firm ground from the beginning and that document helped align us so well because it gave us this filter that we were going to say no to a lot of things and that helped the early stages of of this business development and made us very efficient and productive you and tim go on on these three days of walks and you said we're going to do this what were the biggest things that hit you that you might not see now when you read press on how the company's doing and, and the, you know the things you had to battle through? Oh, it's, um, if you had to pick a few, I'm sure there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, there's there's a lot. You know, it's it, it, we haven't been around for too too long, so I'm sure there'll be more. But the you know, biggest one that strikes me is probably a couple moments really interesting um, to very very different periods of time, but both around uh, or, or different kinds of experiences centered around the launch of the company, which is the, the most stressful period that, that I, that I um, encountered in life. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we raised, um, we, we decided we had a, the ability to scale up a good supply chain. We decided that we could, um, we found a, an area in the market that was really important and that was broad. <clears throat> um, and Casual footwear. Casual footwear specifically, innovated around comfort, but done in a beautifully, a beautiful aesthetic that was simple and, and enabled that on the backs of sustainable material innovation. And so we, we found that that was a great place to operate and that it had a humongous opportunity. I mean, shoes are an $80 billion industry, um, which is about, in, in the U.S. alone, $375 billion in, in the world. And so in the U.S., people are buying eight pairs of shoes per year, which is just a crazy number. And, and the lack of leadership that we saw in innovating around comfort and innovating around uh, on top of sustainable materials was, was amazing to me. It was truly amazing how big of an opportunity it could be. So that, that, that we made that decision that this thing could be big. Um, we made the decision that we could scale up the supply chain, albeit we'd only had some early conversations. So we took in our, around a seed capital early on. We set an expectation that we were going to launch and we were going to have a successful launch. And then we realized we didn't have a factory and we were going to, we were going to make shoes in Transylvania. Um, <laughs> Seriously. Formerly known as Transylvania. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, we realized right after we took the money that that was like no way that that was going to happen. And what did Transylvania have going for? Um, honestly, I think it was just that Europeans that were making shoes in Italy decided to go for cheaper labor, but keep it close to home. So it ended up being like this Eastern European um, manufacturing hub and it turned out it was a, a horrific fit for us for a number of reasons um, so we ended up looking at manufacturing options in the US um, we wanted to focus on that if we could and and then we looked at um, a couple in Asia and we ended up creating this little horse race between a number of different factories and, and partners and we just found one that stood up head and shoulders above the rest I mean like daylight between the between the one we work with now and, and the other the other groups we evaluated. And that person who we first interacted with is now our head of manufacturing and, and sourcing and production and runs our office in Korea and just one of the most important um, employees that we have at our company. And uh, that was a trying moment though. So that was one where Tim and I were really battling. We did a lot of global travel and figuring out under pretty high pressure uh, and, and tight timelines we were, we were fighting to make one of the most important decisions that we could ever make at a company. Fortunately, we got really lucky and we followed our nose, I think, smartly. You know, some, some of this luck you, you make yourself, but a lot of this was truly, we just got really lucky and found just this incredible individual, an incredible factory, 
and they're now exclusive to us with about 350 employees oh um, that's um, that are all working for for all birds and so it's a, just a really nice success story but it was a trying time the idea of luck it, you know there is some sense of right place right time but you two had written a plan. You had been very thoughtful. You were con- you had conviction that this was something you were going to see through. Yeah. And then you bump into the right people, but not before bumping into a lot of the wrong people. For sure. And I think that's that's I think making your own luck is the kind of thing where if, if you have a tight filter or a fine filter where you know um, what you're looking for, I think you just end up finding yourself in situations where you have a higher chance of success than not. And we took a a pretty uh, uh, you know intentionality is one of the values that we celebrate here at the company and that I, f- I think is emblematic of what made us most successful in the beginning was being just really intentional about our decision making and that that allowed us to you know prioritize our time and put ourselves in situations that allowed us to be successful so that that is um i, I mean that's the way that making our own luck happened here we certainly got lucky a number of times um and and um I'll always take that Jeez. So many pearls of wisdom for you, Joey. <laughs> Seriously, like you gotta, you guys should. I mean, you actually, I was gonna say you should write a book. I've got your your children's book here that you you wrote um, called Sadie Shaves the Day. Um, I hope you write more books like this going forward, and, and maybe your own. We'll see. It was pretty fun. Yeah, it was pretty fun. And so this is less than two years old. This company. Yeah. And you hired your first employee besides you and Tim less than two years ago. You're now at yep. eighty employees. Yeah. We just did a walk through the office. Again, I wish our community could see this and we'll get to do some photos afterwards and whatnot, but it's really special. You're in the heart of San Francisco, across the bridge from where you grew up. You are pioneering now this movement around sustainability and how you design your shoes um, and, and think about products in general, I think. Uh, we've got a holiday rush that's we're in the midst of. You've got an outpost that you're doing collaboration with Outdoor Voices on. You've got a bunch of folks upstairs that are coming to work not because they're selling shoes but because they're yeah. buying into this vision what does that feel like waking up every day and and i'm sure you still have a million things you worry about but what does that all feel like yeah i mean first of all it just makes work amazing like i i, I we um we were talking yesterday as a team at our all hands you know we just are in a very fortunate situation and i care a lot and so does tim about building a culture where it's just a wonderful place to work and for us, that really means having having colleagues that you learn from every day, and <clears throat> that we have this deep level of humility ingrained across our whole team. And you know, you can colloquially call it the no assholes rule, but I think it's the it's the best place that I've ever worked at, which is which is amazing to be able to say. Um, and I'm I'm really proud of that. And we truly have no assholes, which is awesome. And that makes it really fun to come to work. So that, you know that's that's um, that's probably the the biggest thing, and then I you know I I authentically think that this is something important that we're doing. So it gives me it gives me a reason to keep pushing. Um, you know, all that said, I feel a pretty deep amount of responsibility that what we're trying to do. I, I want I want it to work because it's good for the world. I want it to work for the great people that have come to to trust us and work for us too. Those are eighty people that are spending. Yeah, more time with us than they are with their family and they got to be doing that for a good reason so um you know that that's a pretty it feels it feels like a real high level of responsibility and i feel i feel that every day and i find it to be a very positive motivator um particularly because i i really care for the people 
And I think you nailed it, though, is you got to aim really big. You have to have really significant dreams or else that's not going to happen. If you're not betting on that. And, and realistic and attainable ones. And, yeah. and I think we, we have a balance where we, we always try to strike of, of being really ambitious and lofty with what we're trying to do while rooting it in, in, in the possible. I think there's such a strong theme around knowing where you're going. And like you said, I think it's having intention um, and, and having some expectation that you're going to hit that and it's, it's viable. Otherwise, you, you don't have a North Star. Right? Yeah, completely agree. As you think about your own personal legacy, there's probably a lot wrapped up in what you just described as you look back in your life, if you're writing your bio, mm -hmm. you know. Jeez. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I hope, I hope um, we do everything I just set out to, uh, said we set out to accomplish. And if my life's work is all birds, um, I'm thrilled with that if we do with what, what we accomplish. I, I truly believe that if we do what we're setting out to do, like, look, we have, we have about nine knockoffs last time I count from our show. Which uh, you know, there's some saying about flattery being being uh, uh, the best best form of compliment or whatever. Uh, well, they're annoying. Counterfeits <laughs> are annoying still. It is it is a nice nice note that we're we're doing something well. But the fact is, if we do what we're setting out to do, we're gonna have so many people copying us. And if people copy what we do, but they take their own twist on it and they make sustainable material innovation a root of what they're doing in their business. We have we have won, and people across the globe are going to win because there's going to be more sustainable and manufacturing, and there's going to be a focus applied to that. That I mean, I can't think of anything too much more important than that. The impact of of, of global warming and and um, pollution in the atmosphere of, of various forms is, you know, it's a humongous health concern, and it's just a lack of lack of ability to grow um, in a, a world with finite resources unless we attend to those problems. So I can't think of something more important for the world. On, on a much more micro level though, um, I got three kids and I wanna raise a family that um, has the same uh, approach to the big decisions in their lives and in, in our kids where they, they, I don't know what their purpose is gonna be, but it's gotta be rooted in something important and much broader than their own individual hedonism, although they can indulge themselves to a certain degree, hopefully. <laughs> um, but that, those are the two, I guess, the two big things for me is, yeah. is um, yeah, and I think I'll get a lot of satisfaction and happiness if we get to, get to do that. For those that are listening and still thinking of what that purpose may be or what that passion or jump will be for them, you know, where can someone start? And that's, you know, different for each person. But. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've always been a fan of, you know, not, not trying to get it perfect. Just figuring out something that you think is important and then just going to fall on your nose. And if you, you take a couple experiences and, and it, it furthers your conviction, then keep rolling. And if, it, if, it, if you find something that makes you question some of the assumptions you had, be open-minded and not pig-headed and, and change course. And so I think, you know, you have to manufacture a little bit of that passion in the beginning and just follow your nose. And then, and then I think the conviction becomes clear. So I, I think it's, I, I wouldn't overthink it too much. I think I heard, I heard pretty good advice um, early into my business life um, after college, which was if you're going into business, the best thing to do is just find something that's a 50-year problem. And if you're finding a 50-year problem and lots of people are trying to solve it, you're going to be developing a skill set that, that is transferable to lots of different opportunities. And it will be the, the kind of the tide that rides all uh, rises all boats. 
And I think that's, that's what I found in, in sustainable innovation is that it is a hundred year problem and it, it's, it's, it takes a long time to do some of this stuff when you're dealing with real atoms and molecules that make that make stuff. It's just hard science. So it just takes a long time by, by necessity. And I think, uh, you just, you know, follow your gut. That one was the most important one I could find. And I thought it was a hundred year problem. So computing was one in the seventies, fifties, sixties, seventies. And this one is our generation. So, so you're two years in, two years in. to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's been going on. It's been going on long before me. Long before, yeah, yeah, so yeah, so right. there's, there's already a good start and lots of heroes in the field. So yeah. I'm just hoping to, to play a role. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joey Zwellinger, co-founder of Allbirds. Definitely check them out, allbirds.com. An incredible product, but a really incredible mission and philosophy around what they're trying to do, which is obviously much more than shoes. So that will do it for today's podcast. As you know, we love to feature jumps from our listeners. You can record your jump story uh, using a microphone on any app. You can use the Voice Memo app on your iPhone uh, or any other recording device send it in to jump at mcmillan.com that's jump at mcmillan.com we are coming to you live from dubai like i said the last of the four continent road trip of our massive book tour couldn't be more exciting i want to give a special shout out to katie who is a lawyer soon to be vegan cafe founder and is a follower of the podcast a passionate listener and big fan she came up to me after asking a question during the q a of the book talk uh, today in dubai and told me she had learned of the uh, book talk because she listens to the podcast and even listens to the end of the uh, episode conversation that i have with myself like this one right now so katie this episode's for you Loved meeting everyone. We were at a school yesterday, uh, heard the stories of student jumpers who want to become astronauts, bakers, and even writers. So very, very cool trip. Uh, We will be in San Francisco on Thursday, April 26th. That's Thursday, April 26th at the Books, Inc. on Chestnut Street, 7 uh, o'clock start time there. It should be really cool. It's kind of going back to where it all started. I wrote most of the proposal and a lot of the draft of the book at least the first go around at the Pete's on Chestnut. So we'll be at Books Inc. Thursday, April 26th at 7 p.m. Hope to see you there. For more on When to Jump, you can always follow us at When to Jump across social media, uh, whentojump.com. Sign up for a newsletter. We just launched a learning program that we will be launching a second session for later this year, actually later this spring. So go to the site, check it out. Tell me what you think. and, uh, And thank you for listening. My name is Mike Lewis, and I will see you next week. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.